Hello and welcome to the Swinging Bunt Baseball Podcast. We are now in episode 5. We have previously discussed the Astros cheating scandal. We have done our entire preview of the first three divisions, which, which would be the American League divisions. Today we're going to discuss the National League East. We're going to discuss our interesting stats of the week. Uh, maybe some baseball stories here and there, some other interesting hot topics going on in baseball these days, and of course, at the end, Wes and I will talk some Star Wars. Without any further ado, I'm Jake, this is James, and for once we finally have Toby again. We're the Swinging Butt Podcast, thanks for listening. division I know the least about, I would say, by far. So, with that being said, this is your show. You guys go ahead and tell me what you think. Before we do that, a listener reached out to me about a huge oversight that we had in our last episode regarding the Texas Rangers. Apparently, there's this player who I didn't know of who is listed as their third-string catcher and is Mr. Um is Mr. Utility. His name, they call him um, IKF. His name's Isaiah Kinner Falefa. He is 24 years thing? old. No, I didn't know anything about this guy. I don't know how, I just didn't. He is from Hawaii. He was drafted in round four of 2013 um, from Honolulu. He debuted in 2018. We didn't discuss him at all, Wes. And it's probably a dis- disservice. Last year, he had 200 bats, 23 runs, 48 hits, a homer. 21 RBI, three stolen base, and a 238 average. So nothing amazing there, but he plays pretty much every single position. Last year he played 38 games at catcher and 35 at, or 25 at third, but he can play anywhere um, and is comfortable playing anywhere defensively. So he's more of a defensive uh, Swiss Army knife. He's not great at offense, but just an interesting guy that I was surprised we didn't bring up at all after I was told about his prowess playing defensively anywhere on the field um this guy was a rangers fan so charlie i'm sorry to have let you down that way and any other rangers fans out there such All as three of you such as my whole side yeah. of the my dad's whole side of the family that, but, that's okay four <laughs> yeah but yeah I'll so their new stadium but uh the rangers know. the rangers always somehow happen to have the guy with the longest last name in baseball mm-hmm. 
It was first was Frank <laughs> Catalanato, then Jared Saltalamacchia. Now we have Isaiah Kinner Falefa. So I don't know if that's actually that probably is not the longest name, but it is pretty long nonetheless. All right. That being yeah. said, let's dive into the NL East. We'll start with the New York Mets. James, Toby, you guys see these guys every day. I'm going to leave it up to you guys. See, every year I go into an NL East thinking that the Mets will do something, and they usually come out of the gate kind of hot. Um, and so I'm kind of thinking, you know, same thing kind of this year. Like, they could be good. Um, I mean, per- personally, I think it's a uh, – I mean, the Marlins are kind of a joke in this division, but I feel like all four of the other teams could compete for the division title. I think the Braves are the favorites. But you look at the Mets and you look at their starting staff, you got DeGrom, um, back-to-back Cy Young winner. You got Syndergaard, who, if he can kind of figure his stuff out again and kind of straighten it out, he can be up there in the Cy Young conversation as well. And you got Stroman, Porcello, and Steven Matz. I mean, and Michael Stephen Matz. Yeah, and Steven Matz is a great starter that on most staffs I feel like would be a three or, you know, in some maybe a four, but he's their fifth starter. And they've got some decent arms in the bullpen as well. If Edwin Diaz can figure it out again. Um, and Betances and Familia, they got some good guys. And, I mean, their hitting isn't, I wouldn't say isn't scary, um, some of the names you'll hear, but they're good players. Like Jeff McNeil is always going to get on base. Um, I think Ahmed Rosario gets overlooked because of how deep the shortstop position is um, around the league. But I think he is a really good player that will be able to uh, be in the middle of the lineup and drive in some runs. You obviously got Pete Alonso, Rookie of the Year, Robbie Cano can still swing the bat well. Uh, Wilson Ramos, a former national, I really love him, and I think he'll have another good year this year. So I think if you look at the roster from top to bottom, that's not even mentioning some of the guys they have in the outfield, like the Conforto, but if you look at the roster top to bottom, um, I don't see a reason that they can't contend, and I feel like I say this every year about the Mets, though, um, so I don't know if they'll contend or not, but I feel like if you look at them, they have the chance to be a really good team. Now, will they be? No idea. It's one think, of those. James? I think it's like, sorry, James, your val- your opinion is not as important as mine. <laughs> I think <laughs> that they have they have a lot of good pieces, like you said, but then they also have a lot of holes too, and those holes is going to determine whether or not they're going to be a good team. I mean, they were didn't they win almost eighty games last year, or they mm-hmm. won eighty games, didn't they? They won eighty six. Yeah, they won eighty six games. So, um. I think that with the pitching staff that they have, that's going to be their their strongest point for sure. But you got have guys like Wilson Ramos, Pete Alonso, Cano, uh, Rosario, and you got Brandon Nimmo in center. I mean, those are really good players. I would say above average players. You have Michael Conforto, who's that? Jeff Davis is that his name? JD Left Davis. Fielder? JD Davis. Yeah. And then is it Jeff McNeil that I'm thinking of? Yeah, the flying squirrel. Yes, Jeff McNeil. That's what I'm thinking of. That's their third baseman. So their offense definitely has holes, and those guys are going to be what determines whether or not they're a 500 team or a potential division contender. Um, one thing I want to bring up is Steven Matz. I feel like every year someone's like, this is going to be the year Steven Matz takes off because he's got the stuff and he just has had this holding him back or this holding him back. Looking at his numbers – the best season he's ever had where he pitched over 100 innings was in 2016. He had a 3.4 ERA. Besides that, the best ERA is 2018, 3.97. He's been an above-4 ERA almost his whole career. 
Um, he only pitched 66 innings in 2017 with a 6.08 ERA. Um, he's never last year was the first year he had over 10 wins. Granted, he's playing for the Mets, so it doesn't really matter. We know that stat isn't really worth anything. I shouldn't even bring it out, bring it up. <laughs> um, but I don't think he's as good as people think he's going to be the following year. People are always like, oh, he's going to be much better next year. I just don't think that's true. I think that he's just an average pitcher. Um, I would say a four pitcher would probably be where he would be. So saying that he's a three or a four on most teams, um, I guess is it's true, it. but I wouldn't say a he's a four on Miami. Okay. Yeah, two. but I'm talking about con- <laughs> contending teams. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. My bad, my bad. Like actual teams trying to win. I just don't think that he should be uh, portrayed as this good pitcher who's just stuck behind a really good starting staff. I just don't think that's true. That's valid. He just has a lot of talent that you look at. And yeah, you but feel it's like never, he could be there. But yeah. It's never once come together for him, except for in 2016, he pitched a 3.4 ERA, but only 130 innings. So, again, I don't think that he's really anything to – I don't know. Nothing really jumps off the paper at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, moving on. James, what are your opinions? I'll let um, you speak. I just think of a couple things. First off, um, if you imagine they had Zach Wheeler last year, mm-hmm. if they would have had him again this year, I think they would have been way up there with the Braves and the and the Nationals. And even I think they'd been at the Phillies because that would have made, you know, that would have put in for Porcello. That would have bumped Mads out. And uh, I think that would have been an insane starting rotation. Um. I actually really like Seth Lugo. Um, I don't know if you know, but he pitched in the baseball World Baseball Classic a couple mm-hmm. years ago, and he was the best pitcher for um, uh, Puerto Rico. No, what is Yadier Molina? Yeah, it's it Puerto uh, Rico? Dominican, right? Dominican, I think. Whoever it is, he pitched for them, and he was the all-star in that thing that got them all their wins and got them to where they went. Seth um, Lugo was good. born in Louisiana. It he, played for the Puerto Rican, he played it for the Puerto Rican team. Interesting. Puerto Rico. I wonder why that is. Maybe because his parents are Puerto Rican? Who knows? But back to it anyways. Anywho. <laughs> but what I like about him is that he can give you an out or he can pitch six innings. Like, he is utility. He can do all the stuff you need for a relief pitcher. Um, and the biggest thing I think about the Mets is, actually, I think it was a big blessing that Carlos Beltran got fired. And the reason I say that is because the manager they have now is exactly like Brian Snicker. He was with the organization his entire life, never really got a chance to become uh, the head manager of the the pro team, the the Mets. But now that Beltron got kicked out, he became the manager now. And I feel like these guys are going to play better, like they did for Snicker. Uh, We were not very great, and then we got Snicker, and all of a sudden we were like way up there in wins. We'd... His first season, I don't think we went to the playoffs, but ever since then, we have. And I feel like that's what's going to happen with the Mets. So, yeah. my thoughts on them. I will say uh, just one thing to add, and we can move on, but I feel like a guy to watch out for on their roster is uh, Jed Lowry. Um, he didn't really play at all last year, and they kind of signed him to be there, uh, play somewhere on their infield every day. Um, right now, I don't necessarily see an opening, but if one of their starters seems to struggle, I mean, Jed Lowry the year before in Oakland, 267 average, drove in 99. I mean, that's a guy that's coming off your bench that's a pretty good bat and could contribute somewhere uh, theoretically going forward. So I think for them, they do have a good bench bat or someone that can fill in 
Um, I think he could be someone that could be really important for them going forward. All right, so I don't mean to disrespect you guys. I didn't hear a word you said because I was reading, and I, I think you guys probably said some great things. I mean, I totally agree. You guys are great analysts. You're doing a great job. But that being said, I was like, why in the world did Seth Lugo play for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic? So I looked it up. His nickname is Puerto Rican, okay? The Puerto Rican. <laughs> and he grew up in Louisiana in, like, Cajun town, you know. He's as white as they come. And um, he probably speaks with a southern accent. I'd imagine growing up down there in Cajun town, Louisiana, in Shreveport. But his grandfather was Puerto Rican, and he called himself the Puerto Rican, and all his friends called him that. It was his joke growing up. Well, he's 28 years old now, playing for the Mets, and he's like, you know, I'm playing the World Baseball Classic, and I want to play for Puerto Rico. So he plays for Puerto Rico, shows up at training camp, and does not speak Spanish. And he thought, <laughs> like, I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, I'm gonna play for this team. I've never. I don't think. I don't think that he had ever even been to Puerto Rico before. But apparently, there was a huge language barrier, and he went to meet his grandfather's family down there while he was in Puerto Rico training for the World Baseball Classic. And he said it was the greatest baseball experience of his life, embracing this culture as his own culture and trying to fit into part of his family history. So actually, a really cool story I just read uh, that kind of teaches us about the Puerto Rican Seth Lugo. There you go. So there you go. So sorry I was ignoring you guys, but I'm sure you said great things. <laughs> I'm sure we did. So are we done with the Mets, or do we have more? <laughs> yes, we are done with I the Mets. I think we're done with the Mets. Okay, moving on <laughs> to the Marlins. Woo. Ooh, yeah. So they did fill a full depth chart out this year. Interesting. Yeah. Can we just skip them? <laughs> no, we got – let's – I'm not interested with talking about every single player, every position. Let's just highlight some of their best players and if they have any interesting prospects coming up. All right, well, I got you. I got this. I got this. Go for Are you it. ready? All right. They have. They actually have three decent pitchers. They have one very good pitcher mm-hmm. and Sandy Al- Alcantara. Yeah, we remember Caleb he was struggling Smith. with that last year. <laughs> yes. Caleb, <laughs> Caleb Smith is actually a pretty good pitcher. Um, Yamamata is very inconsistent, but he can pitch a no-hitter, and then he can give up 18 and a half runs. Sounds like two uh, <laughs> Yes, exactly. Jose Urena is a psychotic man. He likes to hit people. I but he's, actually, he's actually pretty good of a pitcher, though. Uh, and then their offense is just... It's like 900 years old people or young people. Like they have Jesus Aguilar, Jorge Alfaro, Brian That's... Anderson, who's my favorite Miami Marlins. Only one I really like. They have Corey Dickerson, Jonathan Villar, VR, and that, that's that's really their team. I don't know who any of these people are. Lewis Brenton. Yeah, he I, was supposed to be like the number one prospect, and he was just he's just garbage. Eisen Diaz. Well, just think about it. He's in Miami. They don't do well when it comes to baseball things. I mean, they traded away Christian Yelich for peanuts, and now he's one of the top five players in baseball. So. We can't well, okay. If if you're if you like if you're like fantasy if you like fantasy baseball and you're looking for steals um, on players, to be honest, there are a lot of guys on the Marlins roster that could be steals. Um, I don't think Brinson's one, but I think guys like Miguel Rojas. I think if Garrett Cooper can get com- consistent playing time, maybe Isan Diaz and John Birdie are guys you can get. So if you're looking at the Marlins, they don't have any household names, so to speak, maybe outside of 
VR and Brian Anderson and Alcantara, but they do have people that maybe they could pull together and surprise people and win 70 games. I don't see it, but I think there's they have the pieces that they could maybe do that, but I think you're looking at another typical Marlin season where they just suck. I would yeah, imagine sorry. that would be the case. Sorry. Sheesh. Um... Corey Dickerson could be a really good pickup yeah, for them. Yeah, he but hit 300 again, like, last year. Yeah, so I mean, he, he's a good player, but it's just one of those things where it's like you have some guys that could be good, um, but the chances of all of the guys that you have clicking, um, I mean, they have to all be playing the best baseball of their lives to win 80 games, really, I feel like. So I don't, you know, I don't think you have to worry about them again this year. Hey, James. Toby, I have a question. Toby, I have a yeah. question. Did you just say the Miami Marlins were going to win 70 games? I said they could win 70 games. I didn't say they were. That's what I was going to say. I think that that, that's a a false statement. I don't think they can. I say maybe they can win 60. Maybe. I don't think they will. I don't think they will win 70, but I think they could surprise people and win 70 games. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be super shocked if they won 70. I would be floored and incredibly shocked if they won 80. I think if you look at their roster... It sucks, but it's not like atrocious. I mean, I wouldn't. It's been worse. I would say. Um, I feel like some of these guys have the possibility to be 250, 260 hitters and drive in some guys in front of them if they get on base. Now, realistically, they probably are a 60 win team, but I would not be incredibly shocked if they ended up winning 70 games. I might sound like an idiot when it comes to the end of the year and they've won 40 games. But it's, I it's feel like their division, their division is so hard is the biggest problem. Oh, it's like it Baltimore. Is. It's it just is. like Baltimore. Yeah. Except Baltimore's um, worse. Yeah, they are worse. Significantly Baltimore's worse. Baltimore's tr- terrible. Mm-hmm. Awful. Okay. So, James, I would like you to please try to pronounce their closer's name. Brandon Kinsler? Uh, that's not who I have listed. That's who I have listed. I have Drew Steckenreiter. <laughs> I have him as the second relief pitcher. Hmm. MLB.com or Miami.Marlins.MLB.com has Stecken Rider. Oh, they have uh, Pat Venditti, the guy that can uh, pitch lefty and righty. Oh, they do. He's not, he's not even in their rotation, though, or their open right now. Because well, he, he's not good, but he could possibly throw oh. <laughs> at you either way. He has that. Uh, he has that. That hybrid glove. glove, yeah. Yeah. That six fingered glove. Mm-hmm. Yep. P Vidi as they call him. Alright. Anywho. Anywho, that was fun. Um let's yeah, move on not fun. to the <laughs> Phillies. So the Philadelphia yeah. Phillies. Interesting team. They okay. have the talent, right? Yeah, they were uh, definitely yeah. the biggest disappointment last year, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just really wish that the schedule makers would have uh maybe had a little foresight. Possibly, and the fact Logan that the Nationals, no, just just some foresight Puns. with the possibility that the Nationals could win the World Series, which it didn't seem likely um, at all. But could you imagine how great it would have been if the first home series for the Nationals, when they raised the banner and get their rings, were against the Phillies, and That'd Bryce Harper awesome. got to see it? <laughs> could you imagine? I mean, I, I personally, I'm a Nationals fan. I don't have tons of bitter feelings towards Bryce Harper. Um, not as much as some Nats fans, but still, that would have been awesome. I wish they would have done that. Yep. Yes. Yep. 
All right. Let's would talk be awesome. about it. That would have yes. been great. Would have been great. They I think that having rivalries line up at the end of the year is always a great thing to do. But it can't always happen. Trust me. Making schedules not easy as I found out for our fantasy baseball <laughs> league this year. Holy cow. That was not an easy thing to do. And then no one even appreciated it when I did it. But it's okay. You're such a woman. You know. What well, happened. I don't like it because I got to face the hardest team in the league the first week. So that's okay. Me? <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not you. <laughs> All right. I'm not going to say anything because I know my team's better, but it's whatever. So we'll just let slide. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> anyways, anyways, the Phillies. So they ha- have one of my favorite pitchers, in Aaron Nola. I love Nola. I feel like he has some of the best ability out of all these young pitchers that are in baseball right now. 26 years old. Uh, he, he had an up-and-down year last year, very inconsistent. I think he's going to win a Cy Young someday. It just depends on mm-hmm. if he can get it done the next five years. I agree. He's actually yeah. my favorite pitcher for them, too. Oh, for the yeah. Phillies, for sure. I just mean one of my favorite they pitchers actually, in baseball. I actually like their rotation. I mean, Eflin's probably – I think Eflin's the worst of the five, but I think all five of them are pretty good. I think Arietta's – I mean, for what they paid him, I think he's kind of been a disappointment. I mean, he's not a terrible guy. If he's your number three starter, I'd take Arietta as my number three starter. Guys like uh, Arietta, they have a very – they walk a very fine line. If they don't have overwhelming stuff, they've got to be pinpoint. And if you're not consistently pinpoint, you're going to get hit. So when you have a year like you have the Cubs, you can be an amazing pitcher. But then when your stuff starts to get a little flatter and your breaking pitches don't break the way they used to, or if you start missing your spots you're, and you don't get those ground balls that you're used to, then you're just not going to be the pitcher that you once were. Yeah, I would agree. And I, but, and I agree with uh, what James was saying, their rotation. I, Vince Velasquez has a chance to be a really good starter. Um, he's shown it that he he's shown flashes where he could be um, possibly a two, maybe even or more likely a three. Um, being the bottom of the rotation, I think for him, he has the chance to really show that uh, he could be something. I don't know how old he is, he, but he's he's he showed in years past that he could be a really good pitcher. Um, he hasn't necessarily done it recently. But I think he could have a return to form. But then again, it could be another one of those things where um, you're kind of hoping that he gets back, kind of like a Stephen Matz um, idea where it's like, I don't know if he's actually that good or if he just had a, a fluke year or whatnot. But I think he could be good, pr- pretty good for them, especially just being their number five starter. Um, but overall, I hate the Phillies. Outside of the Braves are the team I hate the most. Um, but I feel like they did disappoint last year. But if you like look at their roster, it there's obviously some names like Bryce Harper and Real Muto, Reese Hoskins that'll kind of catch your attention. But I'm not sold on Scott Kingery. He's a decent player. He's a good player actually. But I, I'm not sold on him. You didn't bring up Andy Gregorius. Uh, yeah, I didn't want to bring him up. <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam Hazley in center, not sold on him. Didi, we you know. Coming back from his injury, we're not 100% sure what you're going to get for a full year. Um, if he gives you what he was for the Yankees the last couple of years, then, yeah, he'll be a good player. Segura's decent. I'm just not I'm not as big on the hype wagon of the Philadelphia Phillies as a lot of people are. I'd say I'm more on the bandwagon of the New York Mets than I am the Philadelphia Phillies. So you would say um, the Phillies are the fourth team in the division? Um, Probably a little bit of bias in there, but, yeah, I probably would say that. 
I would say they're third. Um, I would say they might be second. Above the Nets? I think they're right even with the Nets. And I, I will explain myself. They've got a good bullpen, to too. Well, I want to say good. They've got, I'm not sold on Neris. They've got an um, interesting bullpen. Yeah, Neris is the one that bothers mm-hmm. me because he, he, he can be phenomenal. Like against the Braves, he does fantastic, but then he goes and faces like Miami and gets up like 17 runs. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, who knows what could happen with uh, Andrew McCutcheon now. Getting yeah. Over, I mean, he has not been great of late, but people can have a late career resurgence. I just, they do have a – sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. You're fine. They have a real, I think they have a pretty good bench, though. They have yeah, Jay Bruce Jay for Bruce. power, mm-hmm. Gene Segura, yep. and Josh Harrison can play any position. Any I position. Think, I think they're – well, more outfield than anything, but he could play any of the outfield positions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Neil Walker's actually sneaky, decent. He's mm-hmm. a good hitter off the bench. Um, speaking of Logan Forsythe, he can hit at 18 miles. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I mean, they got they got some pieces. I just am not sold on them. Um, probably just a lot of bias in there because I, yeah, I, I'm more sold on the New York Mets and they probably have fewer pieces, definitely have fewer pieces than the the Phillies. I think I heard some that they lost Cesar Hernandez too, because I think he was big. He was, he was a, number, a good hitter. He was number ten second baseman in base in baseball last year. He was a good player. Um, he's not yeah. a great hitter. Um, and he's not he a great he, exactly. He's not a great defender. He's just kind of good at everything. You know what I mean? He has doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't really have any holes in his game. You know what I mean? Nothing where you're like, yep. man, that really hurts us. Nothing where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to be a guy that is a game changer. But you're like, you know what? This guy is not going to hurt us in any way. He's not going to be a rally killer like a lot of second basemen are, and mm-hmm. he's not going to be giving up errors or missing. You know those tough plays that a good second baseman should be able to get to. He gets to them. So I and, think that. Uh, it is a it is a big loss for him too. I'm gonna do something a little weird here, coming from a Nats guy, but Bryce Harper did not have a bad year last year, despite what everybody was saying. Oh no, he was still one of the best players. In like baseball. everybody tried, everybody tried to make it sound like he was not good. As I far as you can ex- expected wins added, he had a gr- which is I think even a better stat than WAR. Um, he was a little down on his career. Like, yeah, just a my, bit. my thing is is you can't Bryce Harper that one year batted 330 and had awesome year when he won MVP. That's not Bryce Harper, though, realistically. I don't think it is from watching him. Um, he batted last year 260. I think he'll be around there if he's really having a good year. Um, you know, 280, 290 around there. But he hit 35 home runs and drove in 114. Um, walked 99 times. I feel like for him, that's a good year. And so he's someone you can bank on in the middle of that lineup and him and Reese Hoskins together, that's a formidable duo, and you get a lefty and a righty there, so they're not able to um, you know, throw one guy at both of them and be at the advantage. So I I think Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins being in the middle of that lineup for the next couple of years, um, scary. I, I hate when those two are up. Mm, especially when Tehran's pitching, because it's automatically a home run for Bryce Harper. <laughs> Thank God he's gone now. <laughs> Yeah. That was nice watching all those years. Yeah, yeah, it was. The good old days. <laughs> all right. Okay, so that is our first three teams in the National League East. Let's go ahead and take a break for now. Um, 
So listeners, all 3,050 of you that we have now, just kidding. But if it sounds popular, maybe people will get excited. Um, anyways, the four of us, with, when Wes was here as well, we were discussing something in our group chat a few days ago, talking about uh, why baseball players aren't mic'd up like we sometimes see in the All-Star game or different exhibition games. We'll see players mic'd up during the game, <clears throat> excuse me, during the game, talking about whatever the um, commentators are talking to them or maybe just talking to each other, whatever it may be. And we were like, why aren't players just mic'd up all the time or at least often? And then we can kind of see what's going on in the game because it's one of the coolest things to see when these players are talking to each other or talking to the commentators. Um, and... Trevor Bauer said in a tweet, someone said this to him because he did it once during one of his games, he mic'd himself up and put out the audio, that he ended up getting in a lot of trouble for it because he didn't have permission to do it. But it was very, it went viral and everyone really liked it and we want more of it. He explained that the hoops you have to jump through with the Players Association and with the different bylaws of the um, owners and everything and how you would monetize things like that and how you would get the permission to do things like that how you would censor things like that because we all know baseball players they are people just like we are and they say things that they probably regret they say things that probably shouldn't be said and when you're making millions of dollars and have millions of people watching you you've got to be very careful about what you say you've got to be thinking about being mic'd there's a lot of things that really go into it um, so let's get into the discussion about the pros and cons to that and why that's something that everyone wants to see but why it may not happen. What are your guys' thoughts? Would, first off, would you would you personally advocate this for your team or for the major league and why? Yes or no? James, you go first. I would say yes to an extent. Okay. Um, I think it's awesome, but I don't think it should happen like – I don't think it should happen – every single game because people can listen to that and then kind of pick up on your team like what's your tendencies what are you doing kind of like just learn more about you and it can really hurt you and the biggest thing i i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how Traitor. uh back off <laughs> i listen to ours every every time i go to work when you post it so oh, back off thanks that's half uh, our listeners he uh, he, uh <laughs> they were talking about how how it's really cool, but like in a real game, it does distract the player. I mean, clearly they're focused on the conversation they're having, and they're not really as focused on the game as they should be. Yeah, in baseball, and, you have such small window of reaction time that even mm -hmm. just the most minute delay can be a difference between two runs and a caught ball. And they were talking about how, like, if you're say you're a third baseman, and you know it's a hot corner for a reason, and they hit a ground ball to you, you're talking distracted, you may say that's an error. That team goes on a run and you lose the game. What's the first thing they're going to blame? Mm -hmm. Is the audio, the, the talking back and oh, forth. And even if it didn't mean anything, you know. Yeah, it, it's me, still going to get blamed for it. Even though. if it didn't distract you at all, you know what Twitter would be doing? The stinking freaking Mike in his back pocket that he shouldn't have been thinking about is the reason he missed that ball when who knows? The guy probably hit it 108 miles per hour and it skipped over <laughs> his glove. Who knows? Or it could have had an effect. The thing is. Is it's one of those things where when something goes wrong, you know exactly where the fingers are going to point. Yes, and so I, that's the that's why I think it should be like specific situations, like not the whole game, just maybe an inning here, ending there, small doses of it. What they I keep think, us wanting more, but doesn't mess up the game. I feel like something just popped in my head. Additional to what we had talked about before, 
players should be able to have that mic on maybe just in the pre or pre-ending warm-ups, you know? They go out there for five minutes. Last year we talked about how um, the commercials were annoying, having them up so many times per game. I mean, essentially having 17 commercial breaks every game, not including pitcher changes. So we talked about during those times, cut down the amount of time between innings because we know it does not take them that long to warm up um, and then to get it back in there because a lot of times they're just – when you go to a game, the pitcher gets done warming up and he's sitting there waiting for the commercials to end before the umpire yes. can say go. And it's really frustrating. So what about this? Get those commercials, the full screen commercials, just out of there and have those commercials run you know, on the bottom third of the screen or something and then have them get done a little bit earlier and let's see the guys talking while they're warming up before game or have the commentators talk to them, you know, while the while they're throwing to their center fielder or whatever might be happening. Or maybe the catcher can be talking while he's taking pictures from the pitcher, you know, well, we're working on this today or something like that. That could be interesting. And then once the gameplay starts, turn it off. I don't know. Maybe maybe something to look at. I, I don't think that's the same effect, though, as a person playing in a game. Like, like. Yeah. Yep. You think of Rizzo, Freeman, uh, Mookie Betts last year. It's just the interaction during the game is what makes it like so Like during awesome. the All-Star game when they were mic'd up during the get-bat? Yes, stuff like, like that. Well, that even just, never happen. Even just looking, they can't even just have looking a mic at the, during the get-bat. That'd be crazy. Even just looking at the Freddie Freeman uh, one from spring training this mm-hmm. year, and he hit, sees a ball popped up two outs, he's like, oh, yeah, watch this. And he's going making his way from first to home. That kind of stuff is cool to see, but – realistically i don't think you can put it on players in the middle of a game because i mean if you you look at some of the guys even just during the spring training one they're kind of like you know rizzo walked out there to first or when he got got on first was talking to pujols is like oh yeah i'm mic'd up and pujols like seriously you know kind of idea i feel like for these guys so much of their lives is in the media Mm -hmm. um and what they say and everything is in the media, especially the superstars like a Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Freddie Freeman, those guys, that getting on the baseball field is kind of a safe space for them. And so I kind of agree with James that you can do it every now and then, but when they get on the baseball field, that's kind of their safe space. They can oh, kind if of, you say safe space one more time, I'm kicking you off the show. If you throw up, <laughs> fake throw up again, I'm kicking you off the show. <laughs> that was disgusting. They, but they can, they can, you get what I'm saying. They can kind of no, go out I get and what be you're themselves. Saying, yes. They can, they can talk to their buddies about whatever. And he, imagine the backlash you get if some guy goes out there and says some non-PC comment, and somehow it gets out mm-hmm. um, on the baseball field and stuff like that. Guys are going to be guys. They just want to have fun on the baseball field. Sometimes they're going to say things that are not politically correct that are not. Yeah, it and it, does, it doesn't make it okay. <sighs> It doesn't make it okay, but it's it's just something that's going to happen, and at some point it's going to get out. And I just feel like every now and then, kind of like how you have um, different um, media availability for basketball games, mm-hmm. uh, football games, and different things on national games, I feel like that could be the type of thing where if it's Sunday Night Baseball, it's Monday Night Baseball, ESPN, or TBS, or Fox, whoever is doing it, it's a nationally televised game. Maybe you do it for an inning or two, kind of how like they'll talk to the pitcher um, up there while interviewing during, you know, when it's not his outing or whatnot. I could see that being a thing that's plausible to well, do. But an interesting thing too is 
Think about all the things that you see on Twitter when someone gets a hold of the microphone when they're in the dugout. You know what I mean? Like Ozzy Albies and what's his face did last year. Uh, Acuna. Yeah. They grabbed the mic from the bullpen reporter or dugout reporter and started talking to the guys up in the booth, right? It was hilarious. And seeing that player interaction in the game is insanely entertaining. But there's a lot of things that go into it, like you're talking about. These guys' jobs and their, their, the perception that they carry to the public is dependent on the things that they say. And if they're constantly having to think about what they're saying at all times, it's going to be taken away from their focus on the game. It's very understandable. Um, but it's a very strong talking point. I remember a couple years ago, I don't remember what, what was said, if it was a sexist comment or a racist comment, but I remember a lot of articles coming out about how, for some reason, baseball ha- uh, players aren't held to a standard of um, you know, being accepting of people. And it's something that has to be done for everyone. You can't just say, well, they can't say what they want if they're mic'd up. That's, that's a scary thing to say. But I understand what you're saying. I don't think that's what you're trying to say. But I get what you I get what you mean, though. Another thing that I brought up in our group chat, which I wonder what you guys think about this, is from the coach's perspective, right? I may be totally comfortable with someone like Bryce Harper, you know, out in right field. He is going to take the game seriously, and having a microphone on him isn't going to affect him because when the ball is com- when the pitcher's getting ready to throw, he's going to totally zone out what's happening and think only about the ball because he trusts his star. He trusts his guy. Um, But if you get Mr. Rookie coming up, hot prospect, he's finally got his debut, MLB is going to be like, look at this guy that we can talk to. He's a hot prospect. What what a great story would it be to have him mic'd up in his first game, right? If they reach out to that kid, that kid says, hey, look, now the whole country is going to see me on mic'd up on this game. This is a great way for me to spread my brand. So instead of him thinking about the game like he should be and focusing on the game, now he's distracted from what's actually going on and thinking about other things, maybe even being nor- more nervous than he usually would be just playing the game. He's also taking on the first experience now of being mic'd up during a game. So I think that as a manager, this is something I would be almost entirely against. Um, but if I were to allow it, it would be in very s- strict environment, in very strict situations. I think... I think- it would be up to the discretion. I mean, of course, you'd have to get it approved all the way from the top, like mm. you know, management and stuff. But oh, when it gets down to the manager, to on this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said so the manager can choose the player that does it. Like, mm-hmm. I think that would help a lot of it too. Like, not let the media choose, but let the manager choose because he knows he's gonna. Like you said, Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't have a problem with that. Uh, I I would not really trust like Acuna actually with it because he's already lazy as it is, and I don't. I just don't <laughs> think. That would help him at all. Of course, he doesn't speak very good English anyway, so it'd be stupid. But <laughs> I think I think there has to be like some stipulations there. Mm-hmm. So we really like the interaction of the players with the commentators. Um, what about if it were something that we don't get that, but we just have, you know, like in football, they have those whatever those big plastic clear domes, the sound catchers, the audio. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, where they pick up a, a sound from a certain area, whatever it's pointed at. What if we those were just stationed around the stadium so that they're able to pick up the voices of these players? So when they make a play or when they're talking to their 
uh, their teammate, whatever may be happening, we can catch up on that kind of dialogue, and then we can see a little bit more of that, like, maybe not quite live action, but they can have people filtering these things and saying, okay, that wasn't appropriate, that's not going to go into this clip, but we can say, oh, he said this and this this here, that's interesting, or the pitcher and the catcher, this was their conversation that they had on the mound. I think that stuff could be really interesting. And they just have to have certain things that they're allowed to say and certain certain things they're allowed to record. They'd have to come up with some kind of agreement with the teams. Maybe you can't share. You can't share the conversation they have at the mound. Or you can't share, you know, when they're talking strategy. But some of those other conversations would be interesting to hear. Because I feel like, you know, NBA and the NFL, especially the NBA, the players are so vocal and they're so well known. Granted, you only have five on the field at a time or on the court at a time. But with baseball, I feel like they have no voice and no interaction with the world outside than just seeing them play. And I want to see these people and know them like we know the NFL and like we know the NBA. We just don't have that interaction with baseball players. Yeah, I would agree. I think logistically what you're saying, that might be tough to do. It's I think it would be possible. And I think that would probably be the most logical route to go with it, just to get some of the on-field chatter as mm-hmm. opposed to getting an individual player's Um, talking Mm -hmm. and then if you have that sort of thing it really doesn't take away from um, what the players are doing it doesn't invade their safe space so to speak gosh Um, I can't take it Toby (laughs) but it it doesn't really interfere with them as much as miking up a player would Mm -hmm. Um, I think the most difficult thing would be getting the uh, conversations of outfielders maybe but you can just I feel like you could definitely most outfields have the have something right behind um right in the outfield they have the netting or a bullpen or something you could easily set up um one of those cones out there that could catch sound. i just don't know how well it would pick it up but yeah i mean oh, you, yeah, could, you I could do that. that i have no idea you how, could i don't know the ranges of those things either <laughs> I, I don't either maybe you could put one in left center and right <clears throat> and right center and yeah. see what happens see what you get but i think you could definitely get some of the infield and some of the different interactions because yeah it would be fun to hear um, but I don't. I don't think miking up players it works outside of maybe an inning or two when it's national TV. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the idea of it. It definitely. I agree with you that I know when Aaron Rodgers is on the TV talking without ever looking. I know when LeBron James is on the TV talking. I don't know when Mike Trout's talking if I don't look. Yeah, I mean, um, you I don't watch a baseball game, and essentially you're watching a pitcher, a catcher, and a batter for all of the game. And then you see a two or three second cutout. Here's some another player that you forgot was behind the camera, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I think baseball just needs to. I mean, like we said, we love it and we love watching the game. I don't think that it really needs improvement. But when you think about how we want to get a bigger audience and you want to have people more involved with baseball, I mean, I was talking to the kids I'm teaching. And they didn't know all these players that I was talking about to, with another student. And he was like, how do you guys not know about these people? They're like, don't you watch baseball? He's like, well, I watch the Brewers, but that's all I know. And it's like there's so much more that these kids just don't care about and they don't follow. I mean, honestly, I'd rather them be playing baseball than watching it anyways. But to me, the reason, one of the big reasons I always played baseball is because I wanted to be like those guys. You know what I mean? So I feel like there's just a lot lacking in baseball these days. And I think it's gonna be like that until Manford, which I I hope happens soon, will resign and there'll be someone else there. I don't know. Which I haven't really. I think Manfred has good intentions. I don't think, I think that, that his plans the have been great. Ruins his whole thing. I would agree. 
but um, I don't think I will that... say this just from a little bit that I've heard from some people at the radio station that I work at or might be getting a job at the MLB.com writers are being tasked with new video responsibility. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but hopefully that means some more good content to for us as um, fans to enjoy. So hopefully that will be something that because I feel like the video of like like you said NBA, um, NFL videos everywhere, videos of the players, videos of this that, and there's nothing it seems like for the MLB. So hopefully we'll get some more um, interaction with the media and with these star players because truly, I mean, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout. I mean, Mike Trout's a generational talent mm-hmm. uh, that we we no may one never really, see. And no one really even knows the, the personality of that guy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, I mean, the thing is, like, when you talk about tremendous athletes, people that are just casual sports fans – they're going to name LeBron. They're going to name Aaron Rodgers. They're going to name Tom Brady. Mike Trout might not ever come up in the conversation, mm-hmm. and you could argue that he's just as good a baseball player as LeBron James is a basketball player. Exactly. And he, he just never gets talked about. And like, you th- so I'm looking at the the Phillies um, depth chart, right? And I'm trying to think about all these baseball players where I know their personality. I know something about them. People that come to mind: Trevor Bauer, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper. Um, uh, Garrett Cole a little bit Justin Verlander spoken out a few times um, who are some other players you can think of that pop up into your head where you're like oh I know who that guy actually is I know something about him and how he acts well it, um, it, it's it's kind of tough like I know a lot of national Aaron guys Judge, that's sure. I follow them on social media mm-hmm. and I follow, the, I follow their personal things and not a lot of people are going to be doing that, out, you know, for players that are not on their team. Like you said, you don't know Mike Trout. Yeah. But that's because I also well, I'm not an Angels fan, so I'm not following Mike Trout to the end of the year. Well, and then you think about someone like Aaron Nola, right? I know a lot about Aaron Nola. Mm-hmm. I know how tall he is. I know what pitches he throws. I know that I think he's going to be a Cy Young someday. Do I? Can I ever remember a time I've seen him talk or think of anything he said or know anything about his personality? Absolutely not. I've watched quite a few Phillies games. I watch a lot of Braves games because I love watching them. So it means I end up watching a lot of Phillies games too. I know nothing about Aaron Nola. I think that that is a mistake and that the baseball or the Major League Baseball needs to remedy that. For well, sure. I think they need to have some more stuff like they had with the Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo commercial a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite commercials baseball has ever made. And it, it just shows those guys are having fun. They're enjoying playing the game. And they're good friends, and you just feel it. Yeah, I, hate uh, I don't know, man. That's all. That's that's very uh, <laughs> reality TV scripted stuff, man. I, that doesn't mean that you still, know that they're good friends. Still, though, still though, I mean, you just see that kind of interaction for the casual fan. That yeah, means something more than just you don't see anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an MLB executive. I don't know how I would implement these things. I'm sure there's so many hoops you have to jump through. But I just think that there's a lot more that could be done that isn't being done, though. I would, I would absolutely. Okay, moving on. We need to talk about the Braves and the Nationals. So we need to do this in about 15 minutes or less, if we can. So let's go ahead and cruise on through. So Braves first, since they did not win the World Series. <laughs> uh, it's funny because they don't know. It's just, okay. Anywho, moving on. Uh, I'll take the Braves, I guess. Makes sense. Um, I, I think they're, I think they're one of the youngest teams and the 
best young team there is. They, they remind me a lot of the Cubs a few years ago. Um, I mean, clearly Cubs could win the World Series, and we haven't. But I think I think we're right on the crisp of, of course, as the Dodgers keep getting better. But I think we're right there to get to the World Series. Um, you think about our, our pitching staff. Mike Soroka is probably 23 years old. Max Free is probably 24 years old. Cole Hamels is probably 78. Mike Fol- <laughs> Fultonevich. There you go. Is, that was your best is, one so far. Is probably like 28 or 27. Sean Newcomb is like 25. There's so many guys under the age of 28 that they're all good. Newcomb's the worst, clearly, but he has he has a wicked curveball. He just his control is his biggest problem. But they're all young. Our our relief pitchers. You got Shane Green, uh, Will Smith, Mark Melanson, Chris Martin, Mark Will Smith, Darren O'Day. Yes, exactly. You got Josh Tomlin. Not to bring up sore things. Hey, no, no. I love Josh Tomlin. We parted parted on uh, good terms. Okay. Good, and good. it was time for him to go. I love him. He can have a good time down there in Atlanta. He was actually probably one of our most important players last year because he would be the one that would come in for long relief. Uh huh. Wouldn't like our starter gets hurt or something or doesn't pitch right. Uh, our worst relief pitcher is listed as our second is Luke Jackson. I cannot stand him. He looks just <laughs> like you. He looks just like you. It like blows Toby? my mind. Oh, and like bad at baseball. <laughs> but he looks literally nothing like me. <laughs> oh, okay, I will pull up a picture later, and I will send it to you. You're like, man. Maybe in a I certain picture, that. but I'm looking at a picture of him right now. and He, look, he looks a lot like you. For those, I don't know if I see it, James. For those of you <laughs> Let me finish. Can I finish? listening to the podcast, Google Luke Jackson from a straight-on picture, and then Google Jake Vossen, and I guarantee you. Can you Google Jake Vossen? <laughs> you can Google me. <laughs> Let's see. Let's look. Let's look, let's see what we get when we j- get Jake Boston. <laughs> Keep going, James. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Then we have. So that's our our rotation's good. We got better. We got White Will Smith after the off season during the off season. So we have a good rotation, good bullpen, improved bullpen because we kind of struggled last year. Um, we picked up Travis Denard, who I think is. Oh. I knew you were gonna say that. I was waiting for it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's Darno. Whatever. I I don't <laughs> care. I like him. Uh, him and his French Ty- brothers. Tyler Flowers is a good defensive catcher. He's inconsistent offensively. Um, but then we have Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, uh, Dansby Swanson, uh, Ronald Acuna. Acuna. Thank you. Those are those are all guys besides Freddie Freeman that are super young. Uh, and I know Austin Riley and Camargo will probably switch at third base, and I still think we need to get a third baseman uh, in free agency. You don't think Austin Riley is ready? I I think he still needs to work on hitting off speed pitches because mm-hmm. that's what he struggles with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hit two twenty six last year. Didn't he start yeah. insanely hot though? Yeah, he hit a home run in like six straight games or something yeah, crazy, like right. multiple home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have uh, Ender Enciarte, who is. A gold glove winner, multiple gold glove winner um, in the outfield. I mean, it's just there's not a really a weakness in the lineup. O- offensively, clearly you got Marquecas will probably play more than Enciarte will. And Marquecas is just, he's going to give you 100% no matter what's going on. And that's what I love about him. And that's why I like him with like uh, Acuna, Albies. I like him with these young guys because he's teaching them to play right. When and, and why? Like, did you guys sign Felix Hernandez? Uh, it was just, I think, kind of like a, let's see what he's got. It was just a minor league deal for one year, and 
basically spring training to see how he does. Interesting. Because I don't think, like I said, Sean Newcomb's not really, I don't think he's ready really to start, but he's mm-hmm. kind of forced in that fifth spot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're looking for, someone to put in that fifth spot temporarily at least until he gets fully ready. Okay. Of course, we have we have uh, the guy in the minor league, the number one, or number, I think he's the number one pitcher, um, Ian Anderson, coming up at some point. Probably next year would be my guess. And he's supposed to be, like I said, one of the best prospects there is. So we have we have, have good talent. Good ones. Kyle Wright's supposed to be really good too. Yeah. So I, I'm super excited. I think I think we win this division, and I think I think we win by more than we did last year, and that's just because the stupid Nationals had to get insanely hot and catch up. <laughs> yeah, that's my take on the Braves. I don't even know if I want to give a take on the Braves. They're gonna they're gonna win the division, I think, and I agree pretty handily. Um, All right. Think, so, more important yeah, news in the picture what? that Toby just sent. I can actually kind of see a similarity between what's the name, Luke something, Luke, Luke Jackson. Jackson, Luke Jackson, and myself. In that picture, kind of. You should you should take a picture and smile just like that. I don't know if I can. My <laughs> lips don't curl that way. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like it goes up to the right. I'll give it a yeah, shot. I can see. I'll post I can it. See like Here's a 10% what I'll do. Similarity. I'll post it on our social media with this uh, when I post this episode. Okay. Okay. Sure. That's what I'll do. Um, I would say I think the Braves would win the division as well. I think, like you said, the offense is the best in the division. Their pitching is not. Oh, yeah. Is not near the Nationals' starting pitching, um, but. It's good. Uh, good old Mikey Fultonevich and Mike Soroka and Max Freed, the three M's as I like to call them as of just now. Oh, triple M. <laughs> triple M. Um, they're pretty solid dudes. And uh, they're good pitchers, and I really love Max Freed. I would love, love, love to get Max Freed over on the Indians. Um, but then you've also got Cole Hamels as your four, which is nuts. So I like I like the idea of you guys', is, of you guys winning. You guys' is of you guys winning the NL East, uh, I think it could be Phillies, but I'm sorry, not Phillies, Nationals, but I do expect the Braves to win the division again this year. Yeah, I agree. Well, I don't think it will really be close. I'm not a, I'm not sold on the Nats this year. Hey, not a totally biased fan. We like those around here. Unlike West. Mr. Wes. <laughs> <clears throat> My team has been hating on all offseason, and we're going to win again. <laughs> and I don't but know why I don't know why people hate us. Uh, I don't get it. It's not like we're the only ones cheating out here. All right, all right, moving on, moving on. <laughs> you all right, ADD you want me to in hardcore? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, well, we Phillies, only got one go team ahead, left. Hit it, hit it. Or Nationals. I don't know why I keep doing that. Give it yeah. to us, Toby. All right, so. When it comes to the Nats, the reason I say I'm not scared, if you pu- if you put out a lineup for the Nationals right now, I think there's maybe two guys you're worried about. One for sure, the other you're more worried if he gets on the base pass, and that's Juan Soto you're worried about because that's, he's one of the best, if not the best hitter in baseball. And then, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, whatever. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and and then and then Trey Turner. I mean, when Trey Turner gets on the base pass, he's electric. Um, he wasn't able to stay healthy last year, but he still sold, I think, 38 bags. Um, 
so you, you get him on the base paths, uh, running around there. He, he's a threat to steal a base at any time. Um, obviously, the strength of the Nats is the starting rotation. Um, and if Anibal Sanchez can have another year like he he does he did last year, um, you could have four legitimate guys that could be one or two on a staff. Um, and then our fifth guy um, is kind of up for grabs. Uh, Joe Ross will probably end up taking it. But the biggest improvement that the Nationals had from last year to this year, um, which you couldn't actually get any worse, uh, was relief pitching. Um, they signed Will Harris. Uh, they didn't think – it wasn't thought that Daniel Hudson will be back, and he was re-signed. Um, personally, I think the biggest key to the, the Nats' bullpen and really the Nats' success this year is those three are going to be pretty rock solid, I would say. Sean Doolittle, Daniel Hudson, Will Harris, they'll be pretty solid. You kind of know what you're going to get out of those guys. I think the key will be the other guys in the bullpen that will have to come in should – one of the starters not be able to go deep into a game um, like they would be uh, hope to be. Um, Hunter Strickland, uh, he's shown that he could be a good reliever. Uh, I don't know what he'll give to the Nats, but I think there's two guys that I would say to keep an eye on because I think they can be absolute studs out of the bullpen uh, going forward, possibly even closers for another team down the road when they get a little older. Tanner Rainey is one of them, uh, and – the reason I say that he could be really good is if you watch him pitch, he pitched some in the, the postseason. He was kind of on Davey Martinez, a short list of guys he trusted, and he was kind of on the guy with <laughs> he trusted but with the shortest leash. Um, Tanner Rainey gets out there. He'll throw 99-100, and it just looks like he's not really throwing the ball hard at all. It, it's just easy gas, and um, I think he needs to work on control because he can get have a tendency to be wild, as a lot of guys are that are throwing that hard. But I think for him, he's got the stuff to be an electric closer going uh, forward. Um, not right now for the Nats with having Daniel Hudson, Sean Doolittle, and even Will Harris. But I think going forward, he could be a closer. So I think for him, if he can be someone that we can depend on, then he'll that'll be important for the national success. And then the other guy is Wander Suero. He's similar to have to how Mariano Rivera was. Obviously, he's not as good, but he depends almost solely on a cutter. And I think if he can get the control on that cutter down, I think he could be someone that's going to be really effective out of the bullpen and be someone that the Nationals can bank on. And if you can have five good relievers, um, that's really nice luxury to have, which the Nationals really didn't have last year. Because um, looking again at the lineup, there just isn't aren't people that scare you. If they can have the same pro- production out of the catcher position between Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes, that'll be awesome. Uh, they signed Eric Thames, which will be, I think, will be a good addition. Um, but I think I saw somewhere that he had a 30% strikeout rate last year. That's not going to really help you um, if he's not hitting the ball and he's just striking out. Starlin Castro at second base, uh, I think he'll be a good middle of the lineup hitter for us, but not sold on him, to be honest. And then um, Robles and Eaton, if he, um, Victor Robles. Um, you would have hoped to have seen a little bit more progress last year because you would have hoped that he could have been like a one and two with Trey Turner, but that's probably not going to happen. He'll still be probably hitting towards the bottom of the order. And then the Nats' number one prospect will probably end up winning the third base job to start the year. And, I mean, when you lose a guy like Anthony Rendon, you're just losing so much. And 
Um, Carter Kiaboom said that, you know, he, he had large shoes to fill, but his thing is he can't try to be Anthony Rendon because he never will be. He's got to be him. And so when you lose Anthony Rendon Dude, does and Rendon someone have big feet or something, <laughs> he might, I don't know. He's not a giant, but I think just for the, for the Nats this year, I think it's going to be instead of last year where it was kind of, let's see how many runs we can put up and then uh, hope that we can hold on when the bullpen finally has to come in. I think the nice part that this year is going to be the case if they're going to make another run um, at a World Series, it's just going to have to be by winning games, only scoring four or five runs. Because I don't see them getting hot like they did last year and just running through the last 100-plus games and then through the postseason like they did. It's going to be a lot more on pitching. Um, because last year it was all on starting pitching, but then the starting pitchers also out of the bullpen um, when it got to the postseason. And I, I don't see them having to do that should they get to the postseason this year but personally i would not be surprised if the nets don't make it back um if they do make it back i think it's the wild card because i don't see them beating the braves in the division but i think there's a chance that they could get back but i don't think they stack up well against teams like the dodgers teams like the braves i don't see it but i'd love to be proven wrong again yeah it was pretty amazing what the Nationals did last year. Their um, postseason run was one to be reckoned with for the history books, especially considering how slowly they started. Um, and we'll see what happens this year. Like we said, we expect the Braves to win, but anything can happen in baseball, um, and I'm interested to see what does end up happening. Well, that is our summary of the... NL East for the 2020 season, which is starting up here in, what, two weeks, right? So we've got the NL Central and the NL West yet to preview, which will come in the following two weeks. And then we're going to have our, I guess we'll do our uh, 2020 season prediction show. And we'll talk about what we think is going to happen and what we've seen out of spring training and any changes that we have to our um, to our conversations we've had so far. With that being said, that's our NL East preview, and let's go ahead and jump on into our interesting stories or stats about baseball. This week I was at Drill for National Guard, so I was very busy. I don't have any, but I know you guys have something interesting to say, and James, I know you've got to head out, so you go ahead and go first. Tell me what you have for us this week. All right, so I wish I would have waited for Hank Aaron for this one, but I, I just didn't think about it, so I'm going to do someone else, and this story is kind of a little sketchy, but at the same time, it's the one of the most fascinating stories I've ever heard in baseball. Um, it's about Doc Ellis, uh, which y'all probably know him. But I'm going to give you the story and all the details for what happened to him. Um, he had a friend. His name was Scipio Spinks and Doc Ellis. They were both young Wait, pitchers. Scipio Spinks? Yep. <laughs> I love it. That's his name. Uh, I wish Spinks. we named people like they did back in, in the day, man. I'm naming my son Skippy and Doc. That's Scipio. Rachel! Scipio. We're naming our son Skippy and Doc. Okay. She said okay. All right. So <laughs> so they were uh, huge drug users uh, from the 70s, and they were both pitchers. Um, Doc Ellis was so bad into drugs that he actually used some type of drug before every single game. And I did the math 
and he had a 12-year career, which was 355 games. And they even talked about how he had to do drugs even when he didn't pitch because of uh, he was so addicted to them. Um, he, so he, what he did was he used to take speed before the game, which uh, I don't know if you know what speed really is, but it's a drug that basically really hypes you up. It really gets you like going. Like A lot of people in speed clean a lot. Uh, their houses are usually spotless and stuff because they've got to be doing something. Um, in 1970, he decided, Doc Ellis decided to move on to something stronger. Um, he had a game in San Diego on June 12th, but he arrived in San Diego on June 11th, and he had known some people in the area. And so he went over to a house party, and at this house party, he took some LSD, which is acid, a uh, strong form of acid, and he fell asleep. When he woke up, he took some more LSD, and he didn't realize how long it had been. He had been partying for 24 straight hours and Holy didn't even man. realize it. Uh, he had no clue what was going on. He didn't know that his game was that day, and it was not that far away. So he had a rush to his game. Now, remember, he had just taken uh, acid. So Ellis rushed to San Diego for the game, and he pitched actually not super great in the sense of he walked eight people, and he hit a batter. So nine people reached base. However, in this game, he pitched a no-hitter and a 2-0 victory while he was high on acid. They nine asked people him, How many people did he hit? Eight. Oh, no, one. One. He walked, he walked eight, eight, hit one. Holy cow. Yes. His pitch count had to be high. Yeah. I um, so. How many strikeouts did he have? I don't know. What was this here. fellow's name? Uh, Doc, Doc Ellis. Ellis. Doc Ellis. But Ellis. Okay, go ahead. He had, they talked to him. Like, this didn't come out until years later. And they had asked him, like, what was going on. He said he was unable to see which player he was facing. He didn't know if he was facing <laughs> Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, or Mickey Mantle. He didn't, all he could tell was the person was left or right-handed. And he, so he just threw the ball. And he says he was having one of the, his favorite times in baseball. And he didn't even re- yeah, really remember. Yeah, was. Six strikeouts that day. Six strikeouts. Holy that God. is my story. Doc Ellis, a man that was completely high on acid, pitched a no-hitter, and yet had horrible control throughout the game. All right. That's uh, pretty nuts. People are probably just afraid, like, this guy is going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, he, probably. <laughs> this guy is drooling, uh, stumbling off the mound, and he throws really hard, so I'm just going to let it hit me. Oh, yep, there, I'm going to go on base. Okay. <laughs> 2-0 victory. That's nuts. The fact that they won is crazy. Like, Wow. Just wow. Um, I found my interesting stat. So we talked about the big shoes that Keyboom has to fill. Carter Keyboom is six foot two. Anthony Rendon is six feet tall. And by looking at these pictures, his feet are about regular size. So if anything, I would say that Keyboom would have trouble fitting into his shoes. I appreciate oh, that fact. You're that was welcome. awesome. And Toby, it's your turn. You want to hear? This show All is right. really going to. This is not my safe space. This is not. <laughs> it. Uh, all right, this one is not particularly about baseball. It's about the four major sports, but it does involve baseball. Pinball, foosball, ping pong, yeah. yep. and yep. curling. <laughs> so this one is something about the NHL, uh, NFL, NBA, and MLB. If people, uh, if there's a stat that proves that regular season does not matter as much as some people would put on it, then here's the stat for you. The... Teams with the best record in the NHL, MLB, NFL, and NBA, with the exception of the 72 Dolphins, did not win the championship that year. Wait, the, wait, wait, wait. 
Say I'm confused. Again. You're saying the that no with team the best, with the best record has won the championship since the, the 72 best record, Dolphins? The best record of all time. So oh, take, oh, 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 yeah, okay. my bad, my bad. My I bad. was like, so, I know that's not true. <laughs> so, so for the NHL, the 95-96 Red Wings had 62 wins, and so did the 2018-2019 Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm -hmm. Neither team ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, the 2018-2019 uh, Tampa Bay Lightning were swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm -hmm. If Columbus. we Oh, if we go to base, well, I'll say baseball for last since this is a baseball podcast. Uh, talk about if anything, you go man. to this podcast, talk about anything. <laughs> if you go to basketball, um, this didn't used to be true, but until 2016, when the Warriors were 73 and nine and did not win the NBA Finals that year, after losing to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the lone exception to this would be. Um, to this general rule would be the 72 Dolphins, who were 12 and 0 in their season, but the, the season was expanded though. to 16 and 0 or 16 games later on, and the Patriots went 16 and 0 and did not win the Super Bowl that year. So technically, so the I Dolphins, wouldn't even talk with the 72 Dolphins because they don't have the best record of all time. The Patriots correct. would at 16 and 0. It's a better so record. So if we look at baseball, then. Um, there is the 1906 Chicago Cubs, which the game there was not 162 games in that season yet. Uh, looks like there was only 152. They went 116 and 36, a 763 winning percentage, and they lost in the World Series. More recently, in 2001, the Seattle Mariners were 116 and 46, a 716 win percentage, and also 162 game season, and they lost in the ALCS. Our favorite team, uh, as we discussed last week. So, well, actually, that's a different season. Never mind. If you if you want uh, a stat that proves that maybe uh, being the greatest regular season team doesn't really mean anything, then there you go because they don't have anything to show so for any, any would, of those teams. I would say that's uh, I read this book one time for my statistics class called Lying with Statistics because I'm pretty confident if you went back and looked at the top team every season that it would not quite correlate the same way as the top all time team. Yeah. Uh, I would say that there's a lot more championships that match up to the top team that season. But, yes, those four, you pretty much took four teams. Well, and... okay. But don't, saying... don't ruin his stat. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I won't, banking I won't, being historic, banking I won't being historically I won't good is not necessarily going to win you an NBA Finals. Because if you look, or are going to win you a championship. Because yes. if you look, the year before the Warriors went 73-9, and nine, they were 67-15, and 15, mm -hmm. and that was tied for, at the time, the seventh-best record in basketball mm -hmm. uh, history. So, yes, I agree that you can have – But I, I get but what you're saying. Going out there, Regular going out there and saying, yeah. I want to be the best team ever doesn't necessarily always lead to a championship. I mean, I think the greatest upset possibly um, in recent history has to be the Giants over the Patriots and – the See, Patriots are probably still the best team. That year's Patriots are still probably the best team I've ever seen in the NFL. So this show the is not designed to make me cry. But for some reason, I feel that I come away from every episode <laughs> feeling like Brantley, less of a person. Brantley, the Patriots. Exactly. So let's just not. Okay? I don't attack you guys. Oh, okay. did, you, did you know that Trevor Bauer <laughs> plays for the uh, Reds? Hey, it's okay. That probably was for the best. I can still watch him play for Cincinnati. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bauer. Don't get me wrong, but having him on the Indians, he had his uh, his time was done. <laughs> I'm about to throw a curveball. Be ready. <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> well, he got him out though. He did. That's crazy. It was Matt Beatty. So uh, take yeah. it with what you All right. want. I have to go. James, have fun. We'll see you later.
Toby, yeah. uh, I think that's all we have for today. Now, Wes wasn't here, but later, him and I, or he and I, him and I, he and I, he and I will get together and we are going to talk about some Star Wars as we tend to do. So if you want to hear that, stay stick around for after our, our outro music and you can catch our Star Wars talk then. This has been Jake, James, and Wes. We are the Swinging Bunt Podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. All right, Toby. Oh, it's been Jake, James, and Wes, huh? Oh, sorry. <laughs> in the garage the sawdust that pine saw in the moss around every spring when the winter thaw we'd huddle around the radio twist the broken knob 7 10 a.m no kjr dave lee house's voice would echo throughout the yard couldn't have been older than 10 but to me and my friends the voice on the other end might as well have been gods 1995 the division series Eggers up to bat Bottom of the 11th inning Got the whole town listening Swung on and belted The words distorted Joy Corps rounds third Here comes Griffey The throw to the place Not in time My oh my The Mariners win it Yes Fireworks They lit up That ceiling in the kingdom We had just made history All right, listeners, thank you for sticking around if you have. Now, things have changed a little bit. So the last time we recorded was the day before yesterday. Me, Toby, or myself, Toby, and Wes. Or no, that's not even right. Wes, that's not right either. James, Toby, and I <laughs> recorded our baseball show. Now, two days later, we're recording our review of Clone Wars, episode three of season seven. And we'll probably have a little bit more talk in there, too. Also, we have my friend David from college, who's an avid Star Wars fan. David, say hello. How's it going? Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Everyone knows who me and Wes are a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I'm David. I'm a good friend of Jake and Wes's from California. Grew up watching Star Wars and huge Star Wars fan. Thanks to my dad, mom, and... Uh, Looking forward to talking about it. David is a buddy of mine who uh, we've gotten together really well. Not a huge baseball fan, so he'll just be on for the for the, <laughs> st- the Star Wars talk. But David yeah, is huge right. into uh, Star Wars Legos, and you buy them and sell them years later, and get for a long time you were using that for paying for a big part of your college bill, right? So that was pretty cool. And, yeah, uh, bought a new computer with that. Yeah, really nice computer. Oh, that's awesome. Your collection, yeah. your collection is really awesome. Um, I've bought a ship from you, and I'm sure I'll buy many, many more someday. Um, also, since our we last recorded, so for you listeners, about five minutes ago or even less, I have contracted a cold, and my nose is just not operating. So with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, we'll go ahead and get right into the show. So Friday night, the show came out Friday morning, right? I worked and I did my student teaching, everything, yada, 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 I did all my stuff. 
And then Friday night, um, I went to trivia. I had a trivia night at uh, the next door in town with a bunch of teachers. I came back home, and I have had National Guard drill the next morning. I had to be there at 6, but it was an hour and a half or hour and 45-minute drive, so I needed to leave by 4 at the latest. And uh, I totally forgot about Clone Wars, and I had just finished packing up all my things, getting ready to go to bed. It was like 12, 15. I was like, well... I can't wait. I'm just going to watch it. <laughs> so I slept for three hours that night. <laughs> so I watched it. Um, just like college. Yeah, and I wish that I could remember it better because, like, literally as soon as it ended, I fell asleep. Um, so I will need you guys help fill in some gaps. Um, also, I need to take a breath. So you guys go ahead and give a little recap yeah, I mean, of episode three. Yeah, so it really just took off from like right, where it, right where it left off. So they... Uh, they find Echo. He's he's alive. It just picks up right from there, um, and you know there's a lot of shooting going on. They're just kind of backed into a corner, and then uh, and then just kind of you know they they find a way to escape. And uh, really, it's just it's a lot of the same. I thought this episode was a lot of the same last episode. You know, instead of trying to find Echo, now they find Echo and they're still trying to escape. So a lot of the same from last last, but uh. Some really good, really good battles in there, and uh, really cool escape too. So I liked it. Yeah, of the three episodes, this one has had the least story to it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Or this has mostly just been an entirely action episode, which is okay. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And seeing clones fight and Anakin fighting, you know, it's cool stuff. They gathered together with those locals, um, the very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Underdeveloped. Um, yeah. Very, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Kiradex. No, yeah. no, no. That's the best little. That's the wing guys. Um. Hold on. One thing. Yeah, anyways. One thing that Wes and I talked about was why in the world are these droids built the way they are, and why do they look like this? So we learned two things. These are not separatist droids, right? The Techno Union. Techno Union is. They are to maintain neutrality, which I was ashamed of myself. I didn't really understand. That this is something that they pretended to be um ever since episode two when they goes the techno union will sign your treaty i just always kind of assumed that the techno union was a part of the separatist alliance but since they're doing right, business same. with both sides i guess they're technically neutral i don't know exactly how that works um uh, but they're lying about it because they're clearly separatists so yeah, that was something that kind of made me wonder because in attack of the clones you know those giant droid ships uh-huh. the the not the round ones but the ones the that other. go straight up yeah yeah, yeah. Talking about. so those are techno union ships yeah and you're like <laughs> yeah they're so, totally neutral <laughs> yeah you know, I'm, I'm like you fought them like it hasn't been that long has it <laughs> that really uh confused me so i guess they kind of rewrote things or you know whatever yeah i want I I need to look know. into that more maybe we can have an answer for that next week if we research it a little bit and why because it's possible that they I mean okay well let's think about it so what's his name that guy that techno union dude uh, he's been in a few episodes now uh, <laughs> his name is uh okay well think about the episodes season one on, um Ryloth um tech I'm just gonna google it techno union leader as soon as I see I'll know it his name is, come on, computer, Watt Tambor, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Watt, Watt Tambor. Tambor. 
So in the Ryloth episodes when Obi-Wan and Mace Windu are liberating Ryloth, Watt Tambor is in control of it. He's working with the Separatist droids, right? He gets captured. I wonder if part of his agreement to be released or whatever was that the uh, Techno-Union would turn back to being a neutral party in the war because they're needed for commerce and etc. So maybe that's what happened and they're trying to pretend that they're neutral so that the Republic doesn't hunt him down again. Because remember, he was captured by the Republic and there was really no way for him to escape. So you know he didn't... Now this is the first time we've seen him again in six seasons. So... I mean, essentially yeah, years and years have passed. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because you know they, because they're the ones who have Echo the whole time apparently, and now yeah. this, the clones don't know that. They thought he was dead, but uh, like, how can you, how can they be relaying messages to the separatists and there not be any any feedback? You know, and, and everyone's just like, man, like the, the techno, like the separatists are getting all this information from somebody who's like super smart and. They're not putting two and two together there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think that they probably didn't know this Techno Union base was there. I think it's pretty secretive. It's not like they were just seeing these transmissions being sent from one place to the next. My guess would be that right. it's very... Yeah. If they were to find out about this, then the Republic would be like, oh, the Techno Union's not maintaining their neutrality status, so if they're separatists, we attack them, and we stop doing business with them. So that's that's how I would perceive it. Uh, but we did yeah, talk I mean, about those Obi- droids, Obi-Wan- too. Yeah, yeah. Obi Wan was there and attacked the clones. Like he was sitting there watching everybody. Maybe he should have paid more attention. Well, no, I th- who was there. I think that then they weren't neutral with us. They were clearly separatists back then, right? That's true. That's, That's what true. I'm saying. They were separatists clearly, and then in on the episodes of Ryloth, once they captured Wat Tambor, then like maybe as part of their agreement, he says, "Okay, I have no bargaining chips, but." If you release me or whatever it may be, I'll make sure that the techno union goes back to being a neutral, a neutral company. That's what I think must have be must have been what happened, because they're yeah, clearly sure. they're clearly trying to pretend that they're um, neutral. So that's something to look up for sure. Maybe for next week. Um, Potentially. Another thing is those droids. We now know why they were so skinny and built the way they were is because they extend out and can fly. And they have these wings, so they have to be lightweight to be able to be able to fly. I guess. Did y'all? Okay, so I thought of something from episode nine. As soon as they said that, they're like, "Oh, look, they, fly they fly now!" <laughs> oh my gosh, I was like, "They fly now!" It, could it be? They fly now. They fly now. They fly now. <laughs> like, um, I've used this one before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah. stupid. Yeah, I totally know what you're talking about, and then move in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, where they're so shocked by the stormtroopers flying. It's like, literally, they have flied since Attack of the Clones. <laughs> or have flew. Yeah. They have apparently, flew. apparently, they haven't watched uh, or they haven't played Battlefront 1. I mean, yeah. dang. You had a dark trooper where you could just the fly shock up. Trooper. <laughs> Scrubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was yes, funny. I thought it was kind of interesting. They kind of did echo, you know, the same way they did Darth Maul. You know, brought him back, yeah. quote unquote, back to life. Got some robot legs. Like, if you just in Star Wars, you just can't die. You can no. get shocked and thrown down a path or a, a, a tube in the Death Star. And then the Death Star blows up into smithereens, and you survive. You can be <laughs> cut in half and fall down 
uh, trash and shoot whatever that thing was Darth Maul fell down in and survive. You could blow up on a ship that's on a landing platform and literally see the ship blow up and also survive. So that's why I know Mace Windu is still out there somewhere. I mean, Luke Skywalker said it best. No one's ever really gone. Exactly. <laughs> I was reading stuff that they're wanting to make a TV show on Disney Plus with him. Yeah, I would love that, but who knows yeah. if any of that stuff's true. Plus, right. uh, Samuel L. Jackson's like 73 years old now, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, old. legitimately, he is 73. He doesn't look that old, but he is. Crazy. He can do it. Yeah, he could do it. I mean, if he could be Nick Fury, he could be Mace. Jedi could just be more docile people. I want to hear y'all's opinion. What do y'all think about Echo potentially being, I don't want to say a double agent, but still kind of being programmed by the Techno Union? Because it seemed like at the end they were still like, let's see if we can still get some return on this investment. Mm. What do y'all think about that? I think they probably just wanted to plug him back in. Is my is my thought? I don't think that he would. There's only one more episode, so. In this I mean, did you see that little look he gave at? The oh end yeah, of I did. He was yeah. like, "Echo to be just like old times, right?" He's like, "Yeah, just like old times." Now I think like that's. <laughs> I think that's more related to. He's not looking forward to going back and fighting for this army again. Not so I much that he is. wants to double cross it, and I think that when he refuses to go back and keep fighting and everything that's going to be when Rex starts thinking about do I really want to be doing this too I've been fighting this war forever and David if you go back and look at it we've got a lot of theories about how Rex and Ahsoka are going to break off from uh, the Republic entirely so that, they, so that they avoid, avoid episode, six, or episode 66 order 66 <laughs> and uh, you should go back and listen to those because it's a pretty interesting conversation but it involves we know that they have this arc coming up together at the end of the season on Mandalore. And we know that that arc is going to take place during Revenge of the Sith. So that has to, I mean, it just has to show how they break off. Because we know that Rex removes his inhibitor chip because of in Rebels that talks about that. Yep. And we know that Ahsoka survives Order 66 also because of Rebels. So those are two things that we know have to happen. And we think that a big part of it is whether it's because Echo is not treated well by the Republic once they get back to Hope Space or whether they see Echo um, get killed again, something is going to push Rex to be like, why am I still fighting this war? Because I really feel like that's uh, a heavy point that Clone Wars has pushed throughout the years, is that these clones are fighting this war where Palpatine is playing against himself. It's really the most pointless war ever. We get so invested into it as fans, we're rooting for the Jedi and the Republic, but like, we're rooting for the bad guys the whole time, you know? <laughs> it's pretty crazy. It's like that that little um, scene before, before Bug's Life, right? Where you have the old man playing chess against himself. That's what Palpatine is doing, oh, that's right? that's so great. You know what I mean? It's a great flashback. Yeah. So it's, this show that we watch is the most pointless war ever. It's being totally orchestrated just to generate a state in the politics to where more and more power is awarded to him to make an easy takeover to where he now has a galactic empire with people that are ruling him under fear because he also has an army and no Jedi to fight him. I mean, it's a great, it's a really awesome story when you think about it, but the fact that we're rooting for these people is like, yeah, they're the bad guys, and so is the <laughs> other team. 
So it's pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, I mean, Palpatine's playing a game like he's playing chess and they're playing checkers. You know, <laughs> you know he's, he's got he's got the game won and yeah. doesn't even have to. So yeah. So, but uh, I I kind of think Echo could potentially uh, kind of like maybe the Techno Union. They did a lot of experiments on him. They've been saying that. Maybe they messed around, and I know that I, I can't remember if Echo was one of the ones who got his chip taken out already. But no, he has not. Maybe they messed around with that chip, and uh, or messed around with something in there, and kind of programmed him into. Yeah, turning I hope they wouldn't do that. Know. They could have. I hope that's not what it is. I don't want to see that again. I we've seen the betrayed clone a, a few times, and I hope that that's not what they do. They could. That would be a bummer. Um, yeah, I feel like they I will. Think, I think that could push Rex to. You know, like man, like they, and then like the Republic just shunning him. I don't. Know, I I could see it. I could see that. Yeah, I guess. I just I hope that that's not what happens. I think that someone like Echo has, you know, he's got he's like one of those characters that you have a a place for, you know, and like you don't you don't betray that character in the writing. You don't say you don't say that. I mean, honestly, the the truth is, um. These episodes were released in storyboards and undeveloped um, on YouTube by Star Wars a few years ago. And people already know the outcome of these. So if you start searching, be careful. You might find the answers and the spoilers. So uh, these episodes have fully been shown, the whole story. I've probably watched them then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but people have gotten kind of upset because Disney has removed a few things. Like, I know that there was one scene where Padme is, like, painted on the side of a one of the gunships and she her like her dress or whatever comes up and, like shows her leg and the clones are all talking about it and like talking about how the hot senator from Naboo is uh, their favorite person their favorite chick or whatever and Anakin's right there and is like tells Rex he says that gets taken down right away and it's like yes sir sorry sir or whatever it is so. <laughs> but Disney took it out because they said it was sexist so I don't know naturally i mean it's not for kids probably not necessary for no. kids to see it but it is a funny scene nonetheless um what else was i gonna say there's something else oh so rachel my wife she's never seen clone wars and she liked star wars the movies like as a casual fan but of course marrying a nerd like myself i have forced it upon her to like the things that i like like <laughs> and we've been working through the clone wars excuse me and we just got through the Ahsoka arc. Like, we finished it last night. And I was like, man, I hate watching these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so good, though, just to see how she developed. I mean, you think about the movie and how much we all hated Ahsoka. To who she turned out to be at the end of the show. <laughs> to be such an amazing character that, like, you choke up when you watch her leave Anakin and the Jedi Order at the end. And then, then thinking about how she fights Darth Vader and Rebels... And um, he tells her that she was never a true Jedi. She never would be. And he he kills her in that scene, only to be saved later by Ezra Bridger through the World Between Worlds. But she dies. And it's pretty just a sad story. Um, but just an amazing story, though, that really, I think, is awesome for a cartoon like Clone Wars, or animated show, I should say. Have we had a character like Ahsoka where everyone has hated her almost to the point of like, not like, oh, like they're so mean, but like she's so annoying to someone but so beloved? 
Yeah, I don't no. think we've ever had a character like her. So. Yeah, I mean, literally everybody hated her, and now everyone loves her. That's pretty crazy. Um, Charger? It's <laughs> 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 funny thing about Jar Jar that I learned the other day. So, Ahmad Bess is the actor for Jar Jar Binks, right? Or man. <laughs> and he was, you know, berated by fans, and he was the main character that he was famous for in his life. And he then also did Jar Jar for the Clone Wars. But then there was like a two-episode or one-episode stretch where it was someone else's voice. And it's the ones, I think it's the Gungan General ones where he's uh, with the pirates. And it sounds really weird. And the credits <laughs> didn't say the voice for Jar Jar for those episodes. Um, it just said at the bottom, it said like extra and it had some person's name. Apparently one of the other voice actors voiced Jar Jar for those episodes because Best was like having a really hard time playing that voice of Jar Jar because of all the hatred that he got during that time. So he yeah, had like, like stepped away for a few months and then didn't come back until a couple, a little bit later to keep playing him. Yeah, like thoughts of suicide and stuff. Just He didn't are... really say... He just said that it was really hard for him, but I imagine things like that, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, yeah, like, you think about the the kid who played Anakin in episode one. Jake like, Lloyd, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel so bad for him. Yeah, His life's rough. just been destroyed. His life still but, is not great. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, it's funny, thinking of, like, I don't know if y'all know, yeah, y'all hilarious, know this, Wes. but... But for the... No, 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 no <laughs> different, different topic. Back to, back to Jar Jar. Uh, uh, kind of, y'all probably know this, but maybe the listeners know, but... Um, in the books, in the books aftermath, uh, which is after episode six, yes. I believe, yeah. right? Three years after. All right, so six, I think. they wrote it. Well, aftermath. There's a three three book trilogy. Uh-huh. Uh, they wrote Jar Jar into those books as a uh, as like a street performer for children, and they <laughs> did that because the only people who liked Jar Jar in the prequels were really kids because made him to be a a comic relief for kids. Yikes. And so in the books, they wrote him in as a street performer for kids. And everyone looked down on him, and, you know, it was just, it was kind of sad to see that in the book. But Comic relief can sense. be great when done right, but when it's done wrong, yikes, it sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was interesting that they wrote him in the books that way. So, so one thing I want to talk about that I haven't talked to either of you guys yet is this... Uh, whole high republic thing um have you guys heard about this yet yes i figured you had david uh wes i don't think that you're as big into the books as david and i are um so the disney story group has spent time coming up with this era in star wars it takes place 300 years um before the episode the events of phantom menace so this would be during the time of darth plagueis this would be during the time of yoda um, as he, when he's younger, and it's called the High Republic, so there's still tons of Jedi, and the Sith really aren't a huge factor. There's something that the Jedi are afraid of. I think it's the Sith returning, but they haven't really said, but there's also these two different warring factions. There's uh, like an underworld faction, and then there's like the space Viking kind of faction. I don't remember what they're called. Um, but the Vikings are always, of course, vying for their own individual control, not working together. Kind of like Hondo's pirates, but in a much larger scale and the stories are all taking place all across the galaxy there's tons of books they have coming out they have comics they have novels they have all kinds of different things 
but they're all coming out in this new era called the High Republic. It looks really interesting. I'd love to see more things come out of it. As of right now, there are no plans for TV shows, movies, or video games coming out of this era, but I would certainly hope there would be because I think it's an interesting time, and I hope it's something they explore. Um, I think that all these books, though, are like a testing ground to see... um, you know how fans perceive this new content that doesn't really relate to the Skywalkers or any of yeah, the stories we've talked about before. I think there's definitely a market for. It. I mean, look at the Old Republic; it's one of the most beloved eras in Star Wars. Yeah, easy. And it has nothing to do with, with it's thousands of years before the Skywalkers. So I think that there's definitely a place for it, and I want to see it. Yeah, I forget time. what's the what's the uh, Star Wars video game. Where it's kind of like Old Republic, but it's it's got the two twins, uh, like in the trailer, and so one that, of them's like light. Yeah, that What's game that? that game is the Old Republic. Um, Old Republic, and it's a massive MMORPG that you can play on your PC. The trailers do not represent the game at all for that. No. The trailers are <laughs> awesome, um, and they are CGI amazing trailers that are the best part of the game. It's like it's like a World of Warcraft type game, Wes, um, and it has it's free to play. And I've played it before. Back when I used to work on security, I played it all the time, and it is pretty. F- it, it can be fun, um, but it's not great. There are some interesting things that happen in it, and there are some cool things you can do. Um, exploring the whole galaxy is pr- pretty cool. I didn't find it to be insanely fun, though. I've never been a huge MMO person or RPG person. Um, but the videos and the trailers for that game are absolutely amazing. Sometimes I'll just watch through them just on YouTube just because they're so great to watch. But Same. Yeah. Like, I'm like, can we just get this turned into like a sh- TV show? Like, oh, yeah. I'll watch this all the time. Yeah, me too, because the CGI is cool. The voice acting is awesome. Like, Just turn that into a show, man. I'll watch a CGI TV show all day long. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I feel like Disney just doesn't understand what they have. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm Disney, I would have made a Republic Commando 2 video game by now. I would have made uh, another Old Republic game. I would have had Old Republic TV shows, whether animated or live action. Um, I feel like they're just lacking on what they could be doing. Because it's a money pot. And I just don't think that they're... I think because of what happened with Solo and Return or uh, The Last Jedi, they're just so afraid of Star Wars overload. When it's not like, no, it's not that we don't want more Star Wars. We just want good Star Wars. Just (laughs) literally, everything's been great except for The Last Jedi. Just everything else has been either fine to great. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just we don't want something that's watered down and just you know unnecessary. I wouldn't say Last Jedi was watered down. It had a lot of content. It was just stupid. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, man. When they spend a third of the movie, one ship chasing the other ship. Oh, no, ship. that was just stupid. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> that's pretty oh. water sad. The other third, they're riding horses Water's and in- saying how gambling and money is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Corporate America evil. Yeah. Oh, goodness. What, do you, what that, are you going to do? I think that's why we love The Mandalorian so much, though, because it's... It's, it's just, just like Wars. straight to the point. Yeah. It's just straight content, straight Star Wars, Easter eggs everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and so I love that too. I still think there was a lot of room for improvement. I loved it. Definitely. And I watched Definitely. it a ton. 
But that also has a lot of room for improvement, which is I think that they learned a lot from the show, and I hope it continues to get better. And I hope to do more shows. I'm excited about the Obi-Wan show. I'm excited about this show, uh, Mandalorian, coming out this fall. Uh, Clone Wars has been cool. Excuse me. Uh, I'm honestly excited about the casting Andor series. I think learning about a rebel during the uh, beginning of episode or of the rebellion and right before episode four, I think that's interesting stuff. Especially since we saw that Cassie wasn't afraid to kill and he kind of had a dark side to him. I think that should be an interesting character yeah, to explore. He's like an assassin. Yeah, he really, really is. Yeah, yeah. They called Very him a spy, cool. but he really seemed to be a rebellion assassin. So yeah, I've really. I'm excited for the future. I've enjoyed the Clone Wars so far, and I hope it, it continues to impress. I th- I think that this is going to be, of the three arcs, there's 12 episodes, four arcs each, I think this will be the worst of the three. I think the next two are going to be even better. Um, yeah, I can Remind me again what the second arc is. The second arc is Ahsoka in the Underground. So it takes okay. place, I believe it takes place shortly after she leaves the Jedi Order. Um, I'm not sure the timeline on it, but to my understanding, it takes place shortly after she left the Jedi Order. Because if you think about it, we've only had 13 episodes in between Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order in Season 5 and where we are now. Yes, it's been six years for us, but if you go back, Episode 5 ended with Ahsoka Tano leaving the Jedi Order. That's the last time we saw her. And then they had the 13 episodes, the hidden... the lost episodes that were Yoda and some of the other ones that mixed in there with Fives and some awful Jar Jar episodes with Mace Windu. <laughs> Master and Mace! <laughs> um, and then we had some of those uh, political episodes with Padme and Clovis, right? Yeah. Um, so after those episodes, those 13 that were, in epi- that were in season 6, we have these 12. Well, really, 13 plus 12, you know, 25. So we're only talking about a few more episodes than a regular Clone Wars season. So essentially, this these Ahsoka episodes take place 12, 13 episodes after um, the last episodes that we saw. And as we know, Clone Wars has no problem with not going in chronological order. So who knows how, how far exactly these episodes are off of that. I'm interested to see. I wonder if they're going to show that, that, Boba, that Boba Fett you know, like sketch they should. So, do you think they, think they, they scrapped it? Um, uh, there uh, was a there was an episode or series of episodes of Boba Fett fighting and killing Cad Bane, and they aren't going to publish it. But that's what they said about the lost episodes too. So, I would love it if they did, because honestly, I would have rather had that than this arc. I think. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yes. yes. That would have been um, awesome. I would have enjoyed to see that because when Boba was a, like a real little kid, kid with that long hair, I didn't really enjoy those episodes. But the other ones that he had, where he was teaming up with the bounty hunters, and like the one where he had with the Saj Ventress, um, that was a cool episode. I'd be interested to see more of his story. But um, yeah. to my knowledge, they aren't going to be using. That's too bad. Yeah. I Tis really thought that in the Mandalorian, whenever uh, that. We saw those guy, that guy with the spurs walking up. I really thought it was going to be Cad Bane, but now I really thought it was Boba going Fett. to be Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. I still, I, I think now it's going to be Boba. But for a second, I was like, Cad Bane. Yeah, but didn't um, seen a big kill yet. didn't uh, like sixty, Saul, seventy, or not Saul? I'm thinking of Break Bad. 
didn't uh the guy from his Poyos Hermanos tell the Mandalorian that he was the one that was out there and saw the dead bounty hunter? I think he did. Yeah, I thought he did too. I could sure. I could be mistaken, but I was I had thought that he was the one that had seen her out there. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm not positive. I hope that I'm wrong because I would much rather it be Boba Fett. But who knows? That and like I said, we didn't really see that guy walk around with spurs either. So yeah. Um, what was his name? Moff Gideon. That's his name. Moff Gideon. Yep. Moff Gideon. Um, I am excited to see what happened with that dark saber because yeah so the dark saber as we know of right now in the clone wars darth vader or darth maul had it after he killed pre right and then good old palps came and attacked darth maul in the clone wars and um and darth maul had been using his own lightsaber that had been cut in half and the dark saber palpatine kills savage press and he tells Darth Maul he has plans for him. And then we never saw the Darksaber again in the Clone Wars. So now Moff Gideon has it in Mandalorian. I wonder how he got it. Because we know that these next few episodes is the Siege of Mandalore. So does he acquire it during the Siege of Mandalore? Was he involved? I'm, I think we might see him in the Clone Wars. Possibly. Pretty cool. It could be cool. Because he would be a much younger man during this time. Um, like 30 years younger so he'd be around his 20s or 30s he could have been a, an officer or who knows what during the siege of Mandalore and acquired the Darksaber who knows pre, pre-rebels or post-rebels what the DeLorean yeah it's post-rebels it's after episode 6 post-rebels. it's after Return of the Jedi yeah okay yes yeah. your uh, timeline a little screwed up Blah. Yeah. Remember the empires <laughs> being taken down? Yeah, I'm all, I'm all, yeah, gotcha. It's okay. We still love you, Wesley. Although, if you listen oh, back to our podcast, you'll see all the terrible things we said about you. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Messed up. Yeah, I figured y'all did that so I couldn't defend myself. You weren't there anyways. to defend yourself against the Astros, so. <laughs> all right, yeah, well. They've been hating on me, but anyways. Yeah, they were. <laughs> With that being said, thank you for listening. Uh, I'm sorry I'm sick. I'm sure the quality wasn't great. And my co-hosts are pretty terrible too, so I know it wasn't great. Uh, just welcome. kidding. David, thanks for being on. We'll have to have you on again um, anytime yeah, Sunday fun. nights. And Wes, I'll see you next week. Sounds I'm going to go blow my nose. I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, Bye. Bye. Right. Bye, guys. Peace. Okay. <laughs>